This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Saver Production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about Pad Thai. Yes. Oh, <sighs> I had a craving from the just start of the idea. Yes. Oh, yeah. The second that we like put it down in yes. the sheet right up until now. Still happening. I just ate like two giant handfuls of honey roasted sunflower seeds. Not that that has anything to do with Pad Thai, but I was just like, nut flavor. <laughs> nut flavor. <laughs> Flavor and savory, kind of sweet. I just need something. I need something. Well, I appreciate that, Lauren, but I don't think that counts. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Like we might just have to get some pad thai. I've ordered pad thai no less than two times since we started really? ideating this process. Oh, yeah. I've been moving. I'm moving in. I have it on my calendar sometime <laughs> this week. Get pad thai. Uh, um, yeah, because I've been on a pretty big pad thai kick lately, um, and it's part of my ramen all the time craving, I guess, like noodles and kind of Asian flavors. Sure. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. But uh, those other things don't deliver late, but Pad Thai does. <laughs> so that is key for me. <laughs> yes. Uh, I. It is one of my favorite dishes. And, uh, okay, so my, my grandmother 
loved Thai restaurants. And at her favorite, which was this little place run by this sweet couple who was about her age, um, we would always order uh, mikrab for an appetizer, which is this like um, a crispy fried noodle dish. Um, it's really light and airy and okay. sweet and savory. Um, and then uh, we'd each get our own plate of pad thai. We could not share one because hers was was zero spice, mm-hmm. totally mild. And mine was like three-star spice, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like pretty spicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just one of my very favorite comfort foods. Um, and it is totally the first thing that I order at Thai restaurants that I haven't been to yet, just to like get the lay of the land. To test it out? Yeah, totally. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I um I remember the first time I had pad thai to to my shame I suppose. But <laughs> I was with my mom at in college. That was mm-hmm. the first time I had uh, it. Uh-huh. Uh, and we went to a chain which I will not name but probably did not have a good representation <laughs> of pad thai. It was still good cuz I mean noodles. It's noodles. Like, it's yeah. stir-fried noodles. Yeah. Um but since then I think I had pad thai maybe a couple weeks before we did we decided to do this. And my friend and I, she also can't take any spice. Oh, so right. I went with the three spice, and she got the no <laughs> spice, and we compared because she, we were like, how accurate is this spice system? Like, what does sure. it mean? Yeah, <laughs> mine was definitely spicier. I don't know if it was three pepper <laughs> spicier, but it was spicier. Uh, I do always wonder about that. I feel like at a certain point, it's like it's like ladies' clothing sizes. It's like yeah. those those words and numbers don't mean anything, right? <laughs> Why even have them on there? We should do a saver investigation. Oh, the pepper rating the- system. <laughs> Look for that in an upcoming episode. <laughs> I did want to say before we get into our main question, our first question: um, If you search pad thai, at least my search results. Uh, one of the first suggested search results was, um, why is Pad Thai so popular? Huh. So we are not the only ones yeah. who like Pad Thai. Or there's some people who think it's heckin' overrated. Ooh. We'll fight you. We will. We will. <laughs> eh, we probably won't. We're pretty nice. <laughs> uh, but anyway, okay. Our question. Pad Thai. What is it? Well... Pad Thai, or Pat Thai, um, uh, P-H-A-T Thai, which is the official romanization, is a noodle dish consisting of kind of medium skinny flat rice noodles, eggs, uh, and a protein like uh, like shrimp, pork, chicken, and or tofu stir-fried together with seasonings and sauce. Uh, the pad part means stir-fried. Those seasonings are often dried shrimps, baked tofu, preserved radish, and fresh garlic. And the sauce is made from a tamarind paste or juice, palm sugar, fish sauce, and uh, rice vinegar and or lime juice. And then the whole thing, uh, yeah, is garnished with, like, chopped peanuts and green onions and fresh bean sprouts and a lime wedge. Uh, chili powder can be added to taste. And, yeah, when you when you stir-fry this all together, the, the noodles soak up the pan sauce and the eggs kind of partially fry and partially scramble. And the whole thing comes together as this amalgam of all of the flavors and textures. Uh, you've got sweet and sour and savory and salty and possibly spicy with uh, tender noodles and chewy protein and crunchy sprouts and peanuts. Um, it's served hot, fresh out of a single serving pan, very important. And it is, as we have been talking about, immensely craveable um, and also immensely adaptable mm-hmm. because every cook who makes it has their take, their perfect balance of all of those flavors and textures. Um, I am still chasing that first pad thai. <laughs> still my favorite. No one else makes it good enough. Uh, 
like I, I like my noodles chewier than than soft and uh, like a lot of tamarind and dried shrimp flavor. And the protein has to be pork, um, though we would sometimes get pork and shrimp because we were the worst Jews. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can you can cook it with all kinds of additions, add all kinds of garnishes. Um, I have picked up the notion from reading um, Bangkok chef's recipes that there is a distinct sensibility about what is and is not okay to add. Like pureed chilies is okay, but chili paste is cheating. Hmm. Um, lime either definitely goes in the sauce or is definitely only a garnish. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, chopped shallots are good, but onions are weird. Um, garnishing with a tart fruit like mango is great, but American fusion-y ingredients like sliced sweet peppers is a real head-scratcher. And speaking of, uh, fusion-y additions like peanut butter or soy sauce or curry powder or sesame oil are just nah. <laughs> nope. Super nope. <laughs> for um, you or for? <laughs> for, for? For humans that have a larger opinion. Oh, okay. These Bangkok opinion, chefs you're talking about. Yeah, yes. okay. about it than I do. Like, I, I agree from reading what they have said and comparing that to my sense memories of different ways that I've had Pad Thai, mm-hmm. that, that the version that they seem to be espousing is a version that I enjoy more. <laughs> yes. But I don't have a strong opinion about it, but you know that I always love a strong opinion. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Pretty it's great. Pretty wonderful. Um, pad thai is usually served as an entree for lunch or dinner. I understand that in Thailand, the locals mostly get it from street vendors as like a quick lunch, but it's served in restaurants around the world and uh, sold prepackaged as like a frozen meal or um, or a ramen kind of situation. You can certainly also cook it from scratch at home. And if you want to do so, there are... As I kind of just alluded to, um, a lot of recipes out there. Um, but I would say that there are three secrets mm-hmm. in heavy scare quotes. Um, <laughs> and those seem to be um, simmering your sauce lightly to make sure it's real good and combined. Don't just stir. You really need to get the palm sugar in there. You soak your noodles in cold water for half an hour before you start until they're pliable enough to wrap around your finger. Okay. Um, uh, like a hard al dente. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then having... All of your other ingredients and steps planned and prepared before you start is critical because as with any stir fry, things go real quick once they start to go. I also think it's considered proper to have out dishes of extra sugar and fish sauce and chili flakes so that everyone can season to taste. This is making me nervous. I, you know? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But that being said, like, okay, so so two, so two things. Like, like A, here's the part where I'm, like, checking myself and trying to remember that not everyone grew up with this dish or in areas lucky enough to have thriving immigrant populations who bring so much to the community of particular interest right now, their food. Um, so if you don't have a market that imports from Thailand or other Southeast Asian countries, uh, lots of big groceries these days do have Asian sections in their international aisles yeah. uh, where you can sometimes find stuff like fish sauce and dried shrimp and proper noodles. Um, if not, you can definitely find them online. Or this brings me to the second thing, uh, you know, cook your own take to your own taste with what you like and can find. Eat food that you like eating. Yeah. 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 But I will say that tracking down those ingredients is super worthwhile because, oh, like fish sauce, it's this salted fermented preparation of fish that over the course of a couple years becomes this amazingly flavorful, 
funky, sweet, salty, savory brine. And tamarind is this fantastic fruit that's uh, so tart and just a little sweet and it has this like weird, rich, savory edge to it. And dried shrimp are just little umami bombs and palm sugar is collected as a sap from date palm trees and it tastes like less sweet and more rich than refined sugar. All great things. Future episodes all. Yes. Um, yeah. But for for our purposes here, I'll just say yeah. <laughs> I love this because I actually don't have that much experience with bad Thai until semi-recently. So I love that you're like, this part and this part <laughs> and this is here too. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's wonderful. It is. It is. Yeah. Whole, I, whole I, universes. I know. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. I definitely didn't. There's a Thai restaurant near Delonica now, but there uh-huh. was not oh, when sure. I was growing up. But funnily enough, my mom and I went to that Thai restaurant over the Thanksgiving break. Oh, yeah? And we got pho. Because ah. <laughs> she never had pho. Okay. Well, <laughs> wouldn't be my first no. at, a, at a Thai restaurant, but... but well, we were looking for pho specifically. Oh, okay. But that was the I only place you. that had pho because there's no Vietnamese. Oh, right. <laughs> well, was anyway. it delicious? It was delicious. Well, heck yeah. It was. It was. I always forget that is a nice thing about smaller towns when you're like, ooh. Eight dollar bowl, and it comes out, and it's enormous. It's like the size of your head. <laughs> like, and oh it's, my god! Yeah, in Atlanta, uh, that would be like a little, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like an appetizer size bowl. Actually, that was pretty well priced. It is, but it is. but anyway, we're not talking about that today. No, not oh, not today. Yes. What about some nutrition? Uh, y'all. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that's how I begin a lot of my nutrition sessions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's a noodle stir-fry. You know, like you got a lot of carbs depending on the cook. It can involve a lot of oil for the frying. Um, fast food versions often have a whole lot of salt too. And it's not that any of those things are necessarily bad. Like you need all of them in order to live. Um, but But just, you know, like – in balance with protein and veg for fiber and vitamins and minerals. And pad thai does tend to be overbalanced on the carbs and fat end. Like it might, like it'll fill you up, but it might not keep you going for that long, mm-hmm. um, it, depending on how much protein you've got in there. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's kind of in the treat category. Um, and, you know, as always, to watch your serving sizes and that if you want to make a meal with it a little bit healthier, add like a vegetable side dish or, or, or appetizer or salad. Yeah. Putting a real cramp in my style, Lauren. Sorry about it. <laughs> That's okay. Killjoy Corner. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I did see a lot of articles that I did not read because I didn't want to know. But it was like, <laughs> fat, fast food, pad thai, worse for you than McDonald's? Question mark. I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that doesn't seem to have stopped pad thai's popularity. It's, oh, goodness, not at all. Yes. Um, as I was saying at the top, that Google search where I just put in pad thai, it returned 110 million results. Whoa. Yeah. Heck. I read in some places that that number was even bigger. This was in my specific experience. Okay. Yes. Um, here in the U.S., some food critics, like you, Lauren, use it as a dish to measure new Thai restaurants. Mm-hmm. According to Nick Sisawat, a native of Thailand who is in charge of a large Thai restaurant in Washington, D.C., quote, Whenever we try Thai food, we try Pad Thai first because that is a way to judge how good a restaurant is. That's true all over the world, 
except in Thailand. Huh. That's because, in his mind, Thai street vendors have perfected uh, Pad yeah, Thai. Sure. And restaurants don't even try to compete unless they are targeting tourists specifically. Yeah. Um, uh, Nick gave that quote to one Alexandra Greeley, writing for Gastronomica, the, the Journal of Critical Food Studies. And, it, oh, it's a great article. It's called Finding Pad Thai. It was super useful here. Go check it out if you want yes. to learn more. Yes, so helpful. Yeah. In a 2011 CNN Facebook poll okay. of 35,000 people Gosh. around the world, they named the world's best foods. I went through all of them, and I was like, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Uh, but Pad Thai came in fifth. Of the world's best foods. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oof, that's wonderful. Um, and huh. I found an article that claimed Pad Thai was the best dish, not a good dish, the best dish to eat before a race. And thank you for that excuse to try that out, even though it could be disastrous. Hard to say. Yeah. It got to be a smaller portion. Okay. Yeah. I, I've heard a lot about pre-race food and how critical <laughs> a it lot is. from me, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. But yeah. other runners as well. Like, you're not the only one who says this is an important thing. It's a huge concern. <laughs> Things can go horribly awry if you make the wrong decision. We won't get into that now. One of the many reasons I don't understand marathons, but you keep doing you. You know, it's kind of a fun experiment because you're like, wow, buddy, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> what are you doing to me right now? <laughs> Trying to shut me down, but I won't. Anyway, um, <laughs> ThaiKitchen.org reported in 2007 that at least 11,600 restaurants around the world offer Pad Thai on their menus. The National Food Institute's deputy director estimated that number would jump to over 20,000 by 2008. Huh. That is a massive jump. Yeah. But they're probably working off two different numbers. Uh, I don't know. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't find any modern numbers. I looked. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't either. Yeah. According to Vice, there are about 5,342 Thai restaurants in the United States as of 2018. Compared to the population of Thai Americans, this is a relatively high number. And this is in part due to gastro-diplomacy on Thailand's part, similar to what we talked about in our kimchi episode. Oh, uh, yeah. Gastro-diplomacy is something governments do to increase soft power and tourism, and a little bit more on that in the history portion. Mm-hmm. While for a lot of us, Pad Thai is the quintessential Thai dish, it most likely didn't come from Thailand. Nope. The former minister at the Royal Thai Embassy in Washington, D.C., Damhala Daryanying, claimed that Thai food is generally Indo-Chinese in origin, which I guess brings us to some history. It does, but first, it brings us to a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! 
If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And disclaimer, before we start, we did our best to look up pronunciations. Oh, yes. Neither of us speak Thai. Mm-mm. And we, we try. We do. Uh, and, you know, apologies in advance for I'm sure we will not get some of them correct. Yeah. Um, if we if we get something wrong um, and you have a pronunciation guide for us, we, yes. would, love, we would love to hear it. We always love learning these things. Mm-hmm. And um, yes. Yes. And disclaimer number two. <laughs> the history on this one is a bit twisty and confusing. It is. Very yeah. fascinating. Oh, yes. Gosh. But a bit messy. <laughs> so, all right. Those disclaimers out of the way. Yes, it turns out Pad Thai probably originally came from China. The dish's full name, Kuei Tiao Pad Thai, is suggestive of the past since Kuei Tiao is Chinese for rice noodles. And then you've got pad meaning uh, stir-fried and Thai meaning in, in the, the Thai style. Exactly, mm-hmm. yep. Early settlers from southern China most likely brought their fried rice and noodle dishes and cooking styles with them. And a lot of historians do place the origins of both stir-frying and noodles in China. The cooked meats and vegetables in Pad Thai resemble early dishes out of the Guangdong province and dishes prepared by the Cantonese people. Some historians think that contemporary Thai people's ancestors, who were called the Dai people, migrated from southern China around the 10th century CE. There are certainly a lot of similarities when it comes to things like language, dress, and cooking styles. To this day, the Dai people make up China's largest ethnic minority. Uh, not that folks weren't there beforehand. Like uh, one archaeological site in Thailand, uh, Ban Tiang, has evidence of the oldest known agrarian society in the region with uh, rice paddies and domesticated farm animals and ceramic and bronze manufacture dating back to like 1495 BCE. Oof. So... Yes, uh, but there are a lot of culinary influences in 
traditional Thai cuisine. Um, Szechuan and other, especially Southern Chinese styles of cooking, um, Indian Buddhist styles, Malaysian styles, um, and yeah, ingredients used in, in different regions of what is now Thailand reflect the differing climates and tastes from those places. Uh, Europeans discovered Southeast Asia in the 1700s, and uh, traders and explorers and colonizers and straight-up pillagers began moving through the region around that time. Um, There were a few kings of what's now Thailand-ish over the centuries who embraced some aspects of these new cultures and technologies and weapons and foods that were brought through. One king in the 1680s apparently loved French cheese and wine, um, and also a few uh, culinary influences from the Portuguese and Dutch creeped in. But for the most part, the kingdoms of what is now Thailand were kept fairly insular for a few hundred years after mm-hmm. that contact. And I, I I, can't argue with him, with that one guy about the French cheese and wine. Yeah. It's pretty okay. I love that too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, fairly insular until one uh, King Mungkut, I think I'm saying that right, I'm so sorry, uh, uh, in the 1850s and 60s, um, he is the dude that the titular king in The King and I is loosely based on. Huh. Um, there are real diaries from a real teacher who was in Ben Siam at the time, um, uh, and from that there was a fictionalized novel that was written and from that, Rodgers and Hammerstein uh, vaguely based their musical. But anyway, <laughs> King Mungkut. Um, he opened up his kingdom to world trade. And um, his son, after him, would very carefully and diplomatically go further. Um, because Thailand is the only place in that area that was never colonized. And... <laughs> And they did this by ceding territory to a few European powers, playing them off of each other the entire time. Um, And he and his court, and by extent his people, adopted some looser Western social practices during his rule um, up until 1910. Yes. And this brings us to 1938 and Thailand's prime minister, Peebol Sungram. Six years earlier, he was an officer and significant figure in a military coup that removed absolute power from the monarchy of Thailand. He went on to quash a royalist rebellion a year later as essentially the minister of defense, and from there rose up to prime minister. The prime minister, who went by several names apparently, filled Marshal Palak, People Songram, or Fibin in the West, really wanted to modernize Thailand and to some extent westernize it along with that, all the while creating something specifically that the world would recognize as Thai. Creating a brand. Yes, exactly. Um, And sometimes he did this through brutal methods. Um, Despite being surrounded by, yeah, French and British colonies, Thailand was never colonized, and the country was fairly ethnically diverse. And so to keep the country together and free of foreign powers, Fibin really wanted to consolidate a strong national identity. In a public 1941 address, he said, In an effort to build a nation with a firm and everlasting foundation, the government is forced to reform and reconstruct the various aspects of society, especially its culture. In a cabinet meeting, he explained, we must be as cultured as other nations, otherwise no country will come to contact us. Or if they come, they come as superiors. Thailand would be helpless and soon become colonized. But if we were highly cultured, we would be able to uphold our integrity, independence, and keep everything to ourselves. So as you could probably tell from that, there's some... um 
He went to school in Europe, I believe. Yeah. So there was some European superiority that he really took to heart. Yeah. 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 Very, very, very internalized. Yes. Um, He passed 12 cultural mandates. As a part of these initiatives, the prime minister changed the name of the country from Siam to Thailand in 1939. As a part of this westernization, local dialects and languages were banned from schools, and the curriculum was updated to focus on a unifying history of Thailand. A new national greeting was introduced and promoted. Decisions around things ranging from architecture and Buddhist clergy appointments were transferred to the capital. The Islamic courts of Thailand's Malay minority were closed. Ethnic Chinese were unceremoniously removed from positions of power across the country. Fibon pushed European-style clothing and hatwear. He advised on things like proper sleeping methods and appropriate amount to contact relatives. He really cultivated a cult of personality. His portrait was placed across the country, and his birthday became a national holiday. Another part of this was creating a national dish, pad thai. From Penny Van Estrick's book, Materializing Thailand, quote, part of Fibbin's nation-building strategy was to develop Thai-ness and impose a Thai great tradition to demonstrate the strength and unity of the Thai nation. His series of decrees from 1939 to 1942 suggested what could be done to strengthen the Thai economy, to instill national image and pride, and to improve the national diet. Popularizing a noodle dish was one means to that end. And his son later said, Pad Siamese didn't have the same ring to it as Pad Thai. <laughs> so I guess that's one thing. Um, the iteration of Pad Thai that the government popularized was different than previous versions, primarily in the type of noodle used, rice noodles versus imported wheat noodles, but also the addition of Thai chilies, tamarind, and palm sugar, and the use of shrimp over pork. Fibbin wanted to differentiate this dish from Chinese noodle dishes. Mm-hmm. In Van Estrick's estimation, that makes pad thai a very specific invention. According to Nitya Peeblesongram, the former U.S. ambassador from Thailand and Minister of Foreign Affairs, and Fibbin's son, Fibbin was attempting to help Thai farmers. He tied the eating of pad thai to helping the Thai people, specifically the farmers, the Thai economy, and basically all of that to being patriotic. You're, by eating this, you're being patriotic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He recalls eating it in his household but does not remember who invented it. Some sources report the recipe was a result of a recipe contest. Yeah, but I could not find any sources to verify that. It is repeated in a lot of places. But But nothing super, like, concrete. Yeah. Yeah. Um, People, some grandma does believe that the Thai government popularized this dish in part because they believed, or at least they advertised, that it would be a nutritious part of the Thai diet, especially compared with other staples of the time, like rice served with salt, greens, and chili paste. Compared to that dish, Pad Thai had more protein and, in general, more vegetables, and the noodles were both cheap and filling. Mm -hmm. Fibbin said... I want everyone to eat noodles. (laughs) Noodles are healthy and have a variety of tastes from sour to salty to sweet. Noodles can be made in Thailand, are convenient to make, and have excellent taste. If every Thai person ate a bowl of noodles every day, then every day, 18 million bowls of noodles will be consumed, equal to 90 million satong or 900,000 baht. That's a lot of money cycling through the economy, which will then go to farmers and fishermen. Wow. Yeah. I guess when you put it that way, yeah. Sure. Peoplesome Graham went on to say in that 2009 Gastronomica interview, uh, by the way, he was interviewed in that article we mentioned earlier, um, that Fibbin used the dish to promote 
sanitary cooking and food during massive flooding in Thailand when a lot of disease was rampant. World War II was also going on at this time, um, resulting in a shortage not of rice noodles, but of rice. Hmm. The government did their best to make things easy for the Thai people to adopt Pad Thai, like providing recipe cards across the country. And this was actually pretty new for Thailand at the time. Folks typically didn't follow codified recipes. Yeah. Though the codified recipe for Pad Thai did leave a lot of room for interpretation, experimentation. Officials also strongly advised that Bangkok street vendors with wheeled noodle carts start making the dish. And in some accounts, the government gave vendors promising to serve Pad Thai these carts for free. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Because it was so readily and cheaply available, Pad Thai became a super convenient food. In the words of Fib and Son, Thailand's first fast food. Chinese vendors were not allowed to sell, quote, foreign foods. And a campaign called Noodle Is Your Lunch was launched and a song was even written. Noodle is your lunch. Yes. Oh, I will not sing it, but I will recite it. <laughs> do, you, do you know the melody? <laughs> no. <laughs> I did try to find it. And if anyone has like a link or something to, to it, I would love to hear it. It goes, noodles, noodles, noodles. Thai vegetables are wealth in the ground. You can find it anywhere. Keep buying and selling as Thai people always help each other. Noodles, noodles. Can I try some? I'd like some dry noodles. Noodles, give me some. How about some wet? Thai noodles so clean, delicious, and beautiful. Noodles, noodles. Come try and you'll love it. Thais help Thais and Thailand will develop with ratanyam. I probably butchered that, but I tried. You did. I did. I like that. I feel like it probably does have a really catchy tune based on Oh, it sounds like it based on the rhythm thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Fippin was forced out of office as World War II came to an end, though he returned to power from 1948 to 1957. But Pad Thai was there to stay. Yeah. Uh in English, a few books and other printed materials mentioned Pad Thai in that mid to late 50s kind of era, but the dish didn't really enter the English-speaking public consciousness until the 1980s as tourism to Thailand started booming. Yes. And that brings us to gastro-diplomacy mm-hmm. that we mentioned earlier. As a part of this gastro-diplomacy, the Thai government founded the Global Thai Restaurant Company, LTD, in 2001 with the goal of opening 3,000 Thai restaurants around the world. And this was a plan at least a decade in the making. Chefs were trained to go abroad and cook Thai foods at these restaurants. According to Thailand's deputy commerce minister at the time, the ultimate goal of the global Thai restaurant company, LTD, was to become, (laughs) quote, like the McDonald's of Thai food. They didn't quite pull that off, but they succeeded in increasing the number of Thai restaurants around the world. Oh, yeah. Thailand's Department of Export Promotion came up with three tiers of restaurant plans to make it easy. So basically, you could be like, I want to do a fancy one, middle of the road one, Uh or kind of a cheaper one. Um, and they, they came with menu items and notes on aesthetics already in there. Oh, wow. Just a complete plan. The three types were called Elephant Jump, Cool Basil, and Golden Leaf. The Export-Import Bank of Thailand provided incentives for Thai people considering opening restaurants abroad by offering loans. The government even established a specialized Thai chef's visa in New Zealand. I even checked, like, it's still there. Or at least the webpage was still there. Um, In 2017, 413 Thai restaurants in the U.S. were awarded Thai Select Certificates to indicate authenticity. These certificates are given out by the Thai Ministry of Commerce. Huh. I yeah. never knew about this, Me and I either. feel like it explains a lot about a lot of the Thai restaurants I've been to Yeah, in, like, very different areas of the United States. 
I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna see. Not that it will really, as long as the food's good. I'm. I'm, I'm fine. But I am gonna see if I see the certificate next time I go get Ooh, Thai food. Right. Yeah, because I saw pictures of it. it. It kind of looks like a health department. Okay. Sure. Sh- sort of. Much less going on than huh. that. But you know. Yeah. Just a piece of paper in a frame. Um. But yeah, there's just a whole story. I had no idea. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this delicious thing that I love was made to be loved. Yes. Yes. Um, man, I forgot to ask. Have you ever made it? Uh, no. Um, I think that I thought about making it really hard one time and then looked at what was involved <laughs> uh-huh. and then went, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, but noodle dishes make me nervous. Yeah, stir frying makes me nervous. I've had I've had bad stir fries happen mm-hmm. where the eggs never really scrambled oh, yeah, and then yeah, it yeah. got soupy and weird and then it wasn't it was bad. Yeah. It was bad. Um and yeah, the I think the last time that I thought about it, it was before I had access to like a car to get me to places that had the ingredients that I would make, and right. I was like, I'm not putting peanut butter in my <laughs> <laughs> I draw the line there. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, there's it's funny. Like, there are so many uh, pro-offered substitutions for different things. Like, if you can't find palm sugar, like some people say that maple sure. syrup uh-huh. uh, is uh, the closest that we get in America to mm-hmm. a similar product in terms of taste. And, yeah, there people – Rail against this. <laughs> Rail. <laughs> Rail, I tell you. Um, but yeah, oh, maybe maybe I'll try again. Uh, um, yeah. Maybe I'll we just... We can make this happen. Oh, I could be gosh. your assistant. Too nervous. Yeah. yeah. Who we is, did it with the fried chicken. Who's the assistant and who's the assistant, though? Maybe we're both assistants. I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, all I know is Pad Thai has to happen in my future. I do have where I live, no joke, at the one of the, the corners, the biggest, like, intersections near me, there are four Thai restaurants, like, wow. right next to each other. Oh, there. wow, there are. That's right. Yeah. I remember the two, but I always forget about the other two. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of, there used to be three, but now one of them split. And it's really funny because it's the same restaurant, but it has different names and different vibe, like aesthetics, Ooh. but the menu's the same. And my friend totally fell for that trick. She's like, that one looks way cooler than this one. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's the same restaurant. That's <laughs> great. They're oh. doing some experiments of their own. That makes me happy in a strange, nerve-wracked way. It made me laugh. It made me laugh because I was like, I'm pretty sure this is owned by the same people. It definitely is. (laughs) I think they're just experimenting. There's A-B testing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey. Well, hopefully we'll get some pad thai soon. Gosh, yes. So, so hopefully so much. Um, I need to make a trek over to my favorite place in town, Little Bangkok. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Cheshire Bridge. Yeah. Yes. We, our office used to be near there and there weren't that many benefits to that office but that was that was one, one of them yeah. yeah yeah Atlanta humans if you haven't been to Little Bangkok off of Cheshire Bridge please go mm. order the meat crab and the Thai coconut soup and the pad thai and yes. I mean whatever else you want like I <laughs> no, can't no, tell no. you Only how to eat but those things. <laughs> otherwise you're doing it wrong uh anyway yes we do have a little bit more for you but first we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. 
Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play and we're back thank you sponsor yes thank you and we're back with listener mail how i'm feeling right now oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) dominique wrote hello from french canada and thank you for your wonderful cinnamon bun episode i'm writing to you to let you in on a french canadian secret (gasps) they are called Pet the sore. Sorry, there is no phonetic equivalent to uh in English. Try EU sound. <laughs> um, I did try. <laughs> Pet the sore means, drumroll please, nuns farts. Nuns farts? Yes. Ah! These tasty pastries were commonly made with pie dough scraps rolled with brown sugar and cooked inverted in a glaze, squished together in a pan. <laughs> Though when I was young in the 90s, not too long ago, all cinnamon buns, even the American style, were referred to as Pet de Sou. It's thought that the pet is a homonym where it came from being a nun's pet, like teacher's pet, in a bilingual environment. Huh. Still, nun's farts is pretty funny. <laughs> and yes, I laughed aloud when I read it. That is so delightful. Thank you. Yeah, it's such like a sweet, wonderful. And you say anything in French and it just sounds <laughs> yeah. gorgeous and sophisticated. <laughs> yes. What was that you were saying? It sounded so lovely. Oh, it means nun's farts. It means nun's farts. <laughs> 
That's what it means. I will take one. <laughs> I'll take a pan. Oh, heck. Emma wrote, and she included in this a few Swedish words, which I'm not going to attempt to pronounce because I'm tired today, y'all. But okay. <laughs> Emma wrote, I just listened to your cinnamon roll episode and so enjoyed it. Thank you. Partly because it was a great episode and partly because I'm Swedish. Let me tell you, Fika is serious business over here. Someone goes as far as saying it's cornerstone of the Swedish culture. While I may not go as far, I do think it's very enjoyable and poses a serious threat to my waistline. Many offices have two fikas a day, one in the morning around 10 a.m. and one in the afternoon around 3 to 3.30 p.m. It's the one in the afternoon that counts the most because it's more likely to include sweet things. Some offices have a rotating schedule for who is set to bring treats once a week, but fika takes place every day, and there are usually some cookies lying around. I myself have been the baker of said treats on many occasions for my parents throughout high school and more recently during visits on break from university and used it as an opportunity to test new recipes. It turned into such a thing at my dad's office, they were disappointed if I ever dared repeat a cookie or cake recipe. (laughs) As an indication of how important Fika is here, the household staple cookbook for cookies, called Seven Kinds of Cookies, had its 100th edition published in 2017. The first ever was published in 1945. I'm pretty sure I've seen an English version in bookstores here as well to satiate curious tourists. Oh, that's a lot of editions in like six... Okay, sure. (laughs) I'm coming back. On the topic of cinnamon buns, they are facing some stiff competition here nowadays from the cardamom bun. The latter bun is usually made with the same yeasted dough, but with more cardamom in it and a filling that's either butter, sugar, and cardamom, or an almond paste cardamom filling, my preferred option. According to my mom, it's a true sign of being an adult when you go from preferring the cinnamon version to the cardamom version. Swedish Fabrique Bakery recently opened up a shop in New York City on West 14th Street, and they have excellent versions of both. Sorry for the long email, but I'm a Swede, and Fika, a way of life. That is so cool to hear. Like, that is a, such a bigger deal than what I was imagining when I was reading about it. Oh, no, I don't know. I kind of got vibes of this. Like, it was like, no, seriously, and then we go take a break, and we eat something, and we have a coffee. and twice that's But twice a day is impressive. <laughs> I don't think I read twice a day anywhere. Yes. So that's really fun. Yeah, that's I love it. I love the pastry. Like, at the afternoon one is where the sweets are going to be. Right, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And Um, especially since, like, yeah, I just – I'm trying to picture – T- like leaving my desk twice a day period like I'm not, like I'm not saying that they have me shackled up over here or anything but like certainly I spend most of my day just hunching further and further into my keyboard mm-hmm. yeah and to get up and talk and talk to people talk. yeah we tried that briefly in our office like several years ago once on Friday and it fell apart in like two weeks <laughs> we were all like no we don't have time for this but we could make time we could Delicious pastry time. Oh, my gosh. I would be in some serious trouble. I'd have to buy a new wardrobe. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of people uh, wrote in from Sweden. Um, I was telling you about this, Lauren. I think you said you've probably seen it. But it it was a viral video about Fika. It's like a rap video. yeah. And it's a delight. I highly recommend (laughs) Looking at Fika rap. Yes, 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 yes. It's spelled F-I-K-A. Yes. That was not clear. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks to those two listeners for writing in. Yes. If you would like to write to us, we would love to hear from you. Uh-huh. You can email us at hello at saverpod.com. Or you can find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at saverpod. And yes, we do hope to hear from you. 
Savor is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thank you, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.